What's going on, beautiful people? It's your man, Mickey Mickey Mac, Mark Cunningham, here again with another episode of the TG3 Podcast. I'm excited. Last week, we had a great show. I talked to my friend Ivan about the importance of appearance. This week, we got another good episode because appearance is important, but appearance is important because of where you're going. And my guest today is like the master of party and event planning. Um, I've known him for a long time. Uh, We go back actually to Ohio, which is funny because last week I had a friend that was from, well, from Toledo, but he was a big Michigan Wolverine fan. This week, I have one of my friends from Ohio, went to school in Ohio, but he's an Ohio State fan. So we have a little bit of contrast on this episode. Um, but my friend here today, my guest is Jay Barnes. So let me tell you a little bit about Jay. We actually used to be business partners a while back in Ohio. We uh, started up this company called um, Our Entertainment. It was an event. Uh, it was an event company, and we used to host uh, poetry, comedy nights, and little food tasting events around Columbus, Ohio. I moved. He kept the brand going, grew it, took it to. Levels none of us thought was possible. And now he's out here. He's the co-founder, along with his business partner of J&K Productions, which is an event uh, planning and party company. And I'm really glad to have him on because if anybody knows how to throw a party, it's him. Matter of fact, if you've never been to Los Angeles, to all those people listening, and you haven't been to one of his parties, you don't know what it's like to party. So, ladies and gentlemen, everyone listen, please help me welcome my guest for this episode, Mr. Jay Barnes. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm very happy to be here. Yo, I'm glad to have you on, man. I'm, I'm, you know, holiday season is right around the corner, so a lot of people are getting ready for parties and getting ready to host oh, some yeah. events and stuff. So, you know, we, we, we got the perfect person on this time. Well, hopefully I can help. Uh, a lot of times we overcomplicate the simple thing. Man, um, I'm telling you. So uh, before I before we get started, um, like I said, we we do have a little bit of a contrast to discuss because you are an Ohio State fan. I am a Michigan fan. So let me ask you this: In all truth and honesty, do you think this is the year that Michigan beats Ohio State? No chance. No chance. No, no chance. No. Uh, the team the team up north is just not qualified to, <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Unfortunately, my uh, Buckeyes, no matter what. Um, just a high power offense that won't be stopped and a young fast line defense that gonna give a lot of folks from uh that state up north uh, some problems okay all right well i definitely beg to differ but um i, I think this you is the, the differ for the last eight or nine years this is true mistaken. this is very true <laughs> and i'm trying to find like i'm trying to find something else outside of blind faith uh to have a reason to disagree with the fact that, you know, Ohio State has beat Michigan the last, what, nine straight, eight straight, I think it is. But I think we really – I think the talent gap is is the biggest thing. When I'm looking at the the talent on the roster, I'm like, yo, we can actually compete with these guys. Most teams, if they have better athletes and a better coach, they could probably win more games. But, you know, you are who you are. <laughs> All right, so Jade and I actually met back in 2006. Um, He attended the Ohio State University. I should get an applause for or some props for actually saying that right. I'm I'm showing a little respect on this side. (laughs) 
Um, I went to Ohio University, but Jade and I are also in the same fraternity, so I had to go through Ohio State's chapter uh, in order to join the Omega Sci-Fi fraternity. So shout out to the bros. Uh, but Jade and I have always had this kind of uh, relationship where we always shoot around ideas and stuff. So around four years after we met, um, we decided to partner and started this, um, like I said, this event planning company. Well, like, yeah, an event, like party uh, planning type of company where we would have uh, comedians come out and uh, poets and, you know, other musicians just come out and showcase their talent. And we used to do that every few weeks or every other week or every week. I think it got to a point where we were doing it every week in Columbus, Ohio. So Jade was actually my first business partner. You know, he was, you know, right there with me when I had launched my first entrepreneurial endeavor. So you will always, I will always be thankful uh, to you for that and always give you props. Just being a friend that I can call, shoot some ideas around. And you're always there to kind of help me you know, carve the fat, tell me what sucks, what works, and, you know, help me get it off the ground. So much love for that as well, my friend. Well, too easy. I appreciate you, man. All right, man. So let's jump right into the podcast, Jade. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, background, um, and how you got started with the old, like, event planning and stuff like that. Sure thing. Originally born and raised in Dover, Delaware. Um, I knew very early that I was getting out of there and ended up going to Ohio State um, and spent 12 years Columbus, Ohio. And now probably about a month or so ago uh, marks my seventh year in Los Angeles. Um, events and parties have kind of always been my thing. Just growing up, I always like to be social. I always like to have fun and be around my friends and hang out. Um, being a part of the fraternity, we ended up throwing a lot of events and parties, whether it was for fundraising, community service, or just to kick back, and realized that I had a natural ability to bring people together and have a good creep and curate uh, great atmospheres and environments for people to have fun, and most of the time, safely, um, and just really get a kick out of it. I know um, a big push was, you know, I always get the most and best feeling when I create moments and memories with friends and family and events, uh, parties, get togethers, activities are a perfect way to create those things and not, ne not necessarily just naturally have them happen by happenstance. Um, you know, I think our first engagement outside of doing fraternity events with our entertainment was kind of the catalyst. We, we wanted to create an atmosphere where we could have up and coming comedians take the stage. That idea just spawned more and more ideas of how can we make this more diverse of an audience? What else can we add? How do we create an environment and energy and then a brand after it to really grow where people had an idea and a reference point of, you know, when you're doing a party, when you're doing an event, if this guy's associated with it, uh, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to have a great time. Right. And you, you, you mentioned, um, when you were giving us just that brief description about your past, uh, about creative moments. And I just want to say one of my most memorable, uh, times at one of your parties was, uh, Forgive me, I can't remember the exact year, but it was the year where you had the pig out, the the roasted pig in the middle of the uh, the party. I had only seen that on television, where it's like a fancy <laughs> thing. So that was when I officially gave Jade his crown, like, "Yo, you're the king, you're the king of grooves. You got like a a pig, a roasted pig, you know? <laughs> had the apple in his mouth." <laughs> 
and it looks so you know like i don't really eat pork like that but i was like y'all might have to cut me a couple pieces just because yeah yeah no i get it i don't know it wasn't last year i think it was a year before we did it did it did a new year's eve party and there's always small little nuances that you can do when doing events. And I'm sure we'll delve a little deeper, but right. um, most most of the events I do are a smaller scale, not necessarily right. massive concerts or yeah. shows anymore. That, that's when I was a younger man. Right. Uh, but creating intimate settings uh, where I can invite you know, anywhere from 10 to 60 to 100 of my closest friends mm-hmm. in a small environment and create that. That's where we find the biggest the biggest success and, right. and that's why we do it for you know clients that are just like you and i right. um but yeah new year's eve party decided to have a whole pig roasted uh security board yeah. just do, do, do a full little setup because it's different how often do you go places uh where you see a whole pig just laying down and you can exactly. just pick and pull or make sliders and exactly. do those types of things and, and that's what that's what it's all about yeah yeah, it's funny to hear you, um, the way you describe that, because that's exactly how I feel, you know, when I'm in your parties. I feel seen, I feel, you know, just like recognized, like you guys are, um, you know, bouncing around a party, making sure everyone's good while you're having a good time. And, you know, just for me, when I'm in a place, especially if I don't really know a lot of people, I know a lot of people when I come to your parties, but just like when I'm out in L.A., always having a host kind of come in and just like, you know, give you that FaceTime, build that rapport with you makes it uh, a lot more comfortable to be there. It like makes it easier going up and meeting strangers. It's kind of like everybody in a way takes on the um, the personality of the host in a sense. When the host kind of comes in and sets a tone like, hey, everybody, this is my party or whatever. Everybody kind of feels comfortable and that just makes, you know, the party go that much more smooth. Yeah. There's two types of hosts in the world. There's hosts that host parties for the sheer um, joy, I guess, and kind of like that self-ego driving. Oh, it's right. my party, I did this, look at me. And then there's another type of host that hosted because you're creating a moment or experience yep. and want their guests to have a good time. And that's what matters the most. Right. Uh, it's not easy to do, but the, the person who can do both the planning and the entertainment and engagement um, really, really stand out and are the big differentiators when it comes to successful or good experiences. Right. So, w- what was your like? Talk a little bit about um, what your transition was like from going to, you know, more of the major like um, events where you're having, you know, like the comedy nights and things that require a lot of people to moving over to more of the intimate settings. What was the What was the idea to start that, and how was the transition for you? Yeah, good question. Um, it's a couple reasons, and they're kind of funny. One, it takes a lot of work and marketing and money to get large groups of people to come into a single space, um, either pay you and or have a large enough event driven by attendees that you create sponsors that are going to pay you so you get compensated for your time and your energy. I didn't have either. Um, and I've been blessed to have my day job, you know, create some additional money for me, um, where I can start doing my own events and fund them. And I don't need that. 
It's about the experience versus the paycheck or the cover entrance. And I'm not looking to necessarily get famous. Um, so it wasn't about having this many people following or creating a listserv or doing X, Y, and Z. It was literally, I have one job. I want to sign it. I want to have a party. I want to have a get together to celebrate X, Y, or Z. I want these people to come in and this is how I want to make it an experience. And then from there, it's like, all right, well, this is what I can afford. So here's how we're going to go forward. And this is what we get and just create and mold and shape stuff based on that. It wasn't intentional per se. I was actually a little scared. Um, I guess scared is the right word. Scared or lazy, one or the other. <laughs> instead, instead of starting a brand new business after, I mean, four or five years in business in Ohio, B market, you come out here to LA to the A market. A lot of the stuff that I could probably charge for in Ohio, mm-hmm. you can do that five, six days out of the week for free here. Right. Uh, so trying to create a large enough following to really generate a worthwhile experience and or the size of party that, that it would take for it to make sense. Right. I just wasn't really interested at all um, to do that. I'd rather go and enjoy versus the legwork. Cause it, it can be laborious uh, to put together these types of, types of things, right. uh, contracts, deals, DJs, venue agreements, are you feeding people? Are you bringing decor? What does that look like? The regulations, ban. There's so many aspects that go into large scale or mid-sized to large scale event planning that taking on that can be a bear unless that's your end goal is right. to have millions of followers or, you know, be the promoter or, or event curator of the city. Um, and I'm, I don't really have ambition to do that. Right. Uh, my, my niche is very intimate, smaller yeah. crowds. French family type of setup. And it's more passion driven too, because you know, that's kind of the thing, creating the experience and enjoying the company and everything. So that probably makes it um, a little bit easier to digest, I'm assuming, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, no, absolutely. Um, there's more attention to detail that goes into it when the smaller groups, right. but the scale isn't there. So I don't have to worry about a thousand people, gotcha. five thousand people falling in love or noticing uh, the decor nuance that ties into the food that complements mm. the music that's playing. Right. I don't have to worry about all those people taking in those things that are playing. Uh, it, it's a matter of like, hey, that person noticed that this change in the bathroom ties into where else is out in the living room or wherever else the setup is. The, right. the digestion of the event and the curation is significantly different than right. large-scale events. Okay. And uh, my next question is, um, with that in mind, you know, with, you know, like a smaller scale, and you also mentioned how you're, uh, you know, having your day job helped you out. How do you, um, like, come up with a budget? For these events like what's your process for you know for budgeting and how you know does it does it stick to the budget like when you're planning a party or do you go over <laughs> under how do you maximize that i've never been under a budget gotcha. i can't guarantee you that gotcha. uh, unless somebody is paying for it like a client um i don't exceed their budget because when they tell me a number that is the number um for me i typically never am under a budget um when i say the budget usually comes last the idea usually comes first um i'll I'll start and i'll start with a basic concept and like hey um 
Uh, what's a good example? Like, uh, we can do New Year's. So it's started, let's have a New Year's party. If we've got space, let's have people over. We'll do food. People can bring some beverages. We'll have a good time. And like that's where the ideations right. is. And from there, it's just like, all right, well, what do I want to eat? All right, let's get a pig. All right, cool. Pig's going to be a little bit more than, like, you know, chicken wings or, you know, basic pizza or something like that. But, like, all right, here we are. And then from there, it's like, all right, what what else can I add to it to fluff it up? All right, we probably need some drinks and this and that. And I literally just piece it together and then look at it. I'm like, okay, well. You know, I wanted I figured a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred for the for the event that should do it. Mm-hmm. And then tr- I go cheap as as cheap as possible for things that don't matter. Right. Food costs don't I don't cut on food costs. Right. Stuff like uh, cups, silk, uh, plastic utensils, mm-hmm. um, decorations. Go Amazon. The right. cheaper, the better. You're using for one day. You throw them in a the trash can on cleanup, and you're done. Um, unless you're really trying to start an event planning or entertainment business or service, or you do it frequently enough, there's absolutely no reason to spend good money on stuff that could be thrown away quickly. Right. Um, and that, that's where I save a lot of costs. Um, I also do pretty much all the setup and stuff myself. Mm-hmm. Like I try, I try not to hire anyone outside of unless it's something i just can't do like right. i'm not I'm, I'm not able to dj all night right. but i can prepare a playlist and or uh, or curate a station on pandora right. and pay the three bucks for the ad free to have my music go all night and stay in the genre that one gotcha. um and there's little workarounds like that they keep the expenses down mm-hmm. uh the food is usually the biggest budget um and i'm a firm believer like when it comes to like party lights or one-time use stuff if you get it on amazon and don't damage it there are free returns (laughs) so send that stuff back absolutely absolutely um and your even your gatherings like you know your card nights game nights um um karaoke you know just a, a, a intimate gathering sometimes you'll say those are all it always seems like so professionally like and well thought out even though it's just like hey guys come over you know we watching a game or something which we've gotten a few of those texts as well come check out the game it, it always seems so like well thought out and just you know even the most simple stuff it just seems like you put a lot of thought into it making sure everyone has fun and you know what i mean like i'm like man that's a it's, it's a gift you know, because if I was to do it, people come over and it's like it wouldn't be no water in there. It's just like you always got what the you know what your guests need. So, you know, it's 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 great times over there. It's important. I mean, to me, when when someone invites me to their home, to me, they're opening their arms right. at, for a hug, almost. Um, and I I take that personally. One. I was always, you can't just let anybody in your house. And then two, when you do, you want them to have an experience and to feel good when they leave. Like, I'll go back and hang out with that guy. Or I had a good time. Or I needed to get out. And it's not a lot of hard stuff. It's just, it's taking 30 minutes to say, hey, if I was a guest, what would I need or what would I want? A simple thing like getting a $2 thing of chewing gum Mm. and putting it out in the candy bowl next to where you had wings or some gar- some garlic wings or some fries or something 
makes the difference on whether that person feels comfortable in having a conversation with the other people around. Exactly. And not worrying about breath. Um, <laughs> when I think when I when I think about where I put the food, it's just like all right, I walk in the door. I know people are typically gonna gather wherever the alcohol is, no matter where you put it. This is where it's going to happen. So if that, I'm going to put my food either stationed around it or away from it so that there's a natural flow of traffic where you're not bumping elbows. But it just takes a moment to flow. And like, how would I experience this so it's it's user friendly? It's just like part of curation is just like website design or when you go and, you know, take out the application on your phone. How intuitive is it? Uh, do I know what to do without someone having to direct me there? Or if I'm like, man, I just made my plate. Oh, I need a napkin. If the napkin's not there, then the user experience isn't great. Right. If you have to walk across the room to find it, then now that that's not a natural flow. And I and I think about simple stuff from parties to two or three folks coming over mm-hmm. that experience. And it, it's it's not overly complicated. You just have to think about it. And the people who struggle don't think about stuff like that. They're just like, I got people, the food's out, there's liquor over there, people will be fine. And for the most part, 56% of your parties, they'll be absolutely fine that way. Um, They'll be perfect. But if you really want to be memorable, and it's not like a memory like, oh, somebody's going to send you a plaque or a card or something, like you're not going to get, you know, million dollars in a thing but the thing is like people you remembered that page and that was one aspect of it we got a center table that's where it's going i could have put it anywhere but right. like when you walk in the door you got a pig looking at you <laughs> there's lights going everywhere there's the core um, and like that's a memory it that's a, it's, a, it's a very intentional memory and you can make traps so to speak and very small things nuanced things were like oh i didn't think about that oh that's that's cool Oh, that's nice. Oh, that matches that. And like, there's this, there's small epiphanies that happen through the night that I think make the difference and whether you, uh, the difference between a good experience and a great experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it kind of brings me to my next point, which you, you kind of just covered, but I just want to really focus in on that point. It's just um like how you, your process is for accommodating guests. Um, even though you touched on it um, and, you know, you kind of, just mentioned taking that time just to kind of sit down before the party and just thinking, you know, thinking things through. Once you're in, you know, in the heat of the party, how do you keep that same energy for just like bouncing around and making sure everyone's good, making sure, you know, the flow's good, foods uh, up, napkins or stuff where you could, you know, if you wanted to, you could be off, you know, drinking, having a good time yourself, but instead you're still. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, it, it, it's a, it's a balancing act. Um, again, it has to do with a level of humility. Um, and when you are hosting someone, you become a servant. Gotcha. Um, and as the host, you are also the leader. Um, and coupling servant leadership when it comes to like the biblical sense to the uh, fraternal and business approach, uh, servant leadership is where the best people seem to thrive. Mm-hmm. They care more and do more for others uh, than they would necessarily do for themselves mm-hmm. while still being in the forefront of it. And that's that's the high level 
deep philosophical side of my approach. At the end of the day, I'm a country boy, and when you come in the house, do you want something to drink? Have you got something to eat? Here's where the bathroom is. If you need anything, say something. And as I'm navigating, there's certain things nobody else is taking out the trash. Um, There's not a lot of people who are just going to be going around and gathering loose plates or cups that people subconsciously leave recklessly all over the place. Um, So as you're moving in that direction i just try to get them in the moment that's the easiest thing just get stuff in the moment that way at the end of the night i don't want a two-hour breakdown and clean up ever like when when you're about to leave i'm about to sit down type thing and we're gonna keep those things going simultaneously um part of the prep though is like kind of the piggyback on the previous question and a couple into leading into this question is I believe that the experiences that are created, we're human. And it's important to remember that because we all have, for the most part, everyone has five senses. And when it comes to event planning, the nuances and making stuff uh, memorable, as well as accommodating guests, they all, the event has to hit all five of those senses to me in order to make it a success. Whether you've got candles, whether you've got a, air freshener or uh, uh, what are they called? Oil, oil uh, scent fuses or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're neat. Or it could be the smell of barbecue or fresh food or some greens that were made. But that sense when you walk in, what are you smelling? Uh, what are you seeing? Uh, what can you touch? Does it feel good? Does it look nice? Is it set up okay? What are you hearing? Is the music in correlation with the type of vibes you want? Whether it's volume, whether it's low, whether it's genre, whether we're going straight hip hop, whether right. we're doing old school R&B, like 90s hip hop R&B when you're doing a game night can be played in the background. Everybody's always going to have their shoulders shrugging, <laughs> hips moving right. while they're doing it, interacting in games, and it takes them to a place yeah. and creating those memories that feel, you don't know what's happening, but you know you feel good. Right. And that's my biggest uh, urge or, or, or push or suggestion to anybody trying to do events for the holiday. Okay. Think about your five cents, senses and then create segments of your night and your experience to hit on all of those at some point. Gotcha. And naturally, people's energy and mode will start uh, tying into it. But you're, you're, you're a servant leader, so I, I do take out trash, pick up trash, throw away bottles throughout. Um, as people are coming in, I try to give them a quick little lay of the land, like where to go, where's what, and then do a handoff. A handoff is crucial. Um, who should they know? and or who's close by that I can make an introduction and then I'm out Um, and I can get back to doing other things or checking in on people. Um, I also keep my head on the swivel. If people are looking bored, uh, if they're locked into their phone, into their Mm. screen, I'm going to come over um, and talk to you. Everything good? You want another drink? Do you know such and such? Mm. How you been? Sometimes it's just us catching up. How you been? I I saw you got a new job. How's that going? Blah, blah, blah. It can be anything. But like, as a host, you have to be receptive and cognizant as to how people are experiencing your event. And when you're in tune with that and or have a great partner or partners that kind of play those roles in in lieu of your absence, Mm -hmm. it keeps things going when you're not physically there that people can, you want people to interact, have fun, meet people, 
uh, and create memories. And sometimes you have to push that on people if they're not naturally comfortable doing that. Got you. Makes sense. And uh, so Jade also, um, aside from him just having a passion to throw grooves, um, like I said, we talked about earlier, he has, um, it's an event and um, a production planning company called J&K Productions. So on the one side, this is more passion. You know, the parties that we're talking about now, this is just, this is just Jade. But he turned his passion, um, you know, and keen eye for making, for providing the service uh, to people into a profitable business. And that's something else that I wanted to just kind of touch on briefly was um, your entrepreneurial endeavors where, you know, you have the production side of it because now we're in Los Angeles, everybody's shooting a movie and stuff. And you've actually dabbled in the business of, you know, putting together a location so that production companies can come in and shoot for like their film, television or, or digital projects, correct? Absolutely. So, uh, so what's the had, process for had... like? Um, to create a income space or to and do production. Yeah, is that yeah, the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, I had great training from a fellow Buckeye, uh, actually husband and wife couple, that have a full training called Your Income Space. Your um, income I'd be space. remiss. Yes, check them out. Uh, if you put it into any social media, you should be able to find them. Lovely black couple. Um, I'd be remiss if I did not start with that. I took their course, um, had several conversations, and that was the catalyst and really taking it to the next level. Mm. Um, in terms of the day-to-day stuff, though, it's finding a space that's usually open and inviting that you can accommodate people and or larger crews. Um, and there can be our, our productions range uh, in scale. We've had uh, mom and pop music videos to book releases, uh, to commercials, to major major shows, ABC. Um, I actually just saw a show yesterday on Fox where I'm like, I think we did business with them. And lo and behold, like 30 seconds later, you see the mirror in our background that they shot in. I'm like, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean, we don't get any royalties or anything off of it. They pay their one-time fee for yeah, the rental it's... space. But literally, I, I set up stuff that's going to be comfortable that I think uh, from a decor standpoint right. is going to be attractive and inviting to be somebody set whether it's every show every commercial that you see every movie uh is shot on the set somewhere yeah um whether it's someone's home whether it's a, a studio uh whether it's out in the public everything's a backdrop in a set and Absolutely. we just were able to leverage our space to create a look and atmosphere that could be interchangeable uh in many varieties of of, of production whether it's short films uh web series whether it's commercials tons of commercials um fitness equipment it's been wild i I never never thought that i'd ever be doing this but it was just taking a risk and willing to share the space that i already lived in Mm -hmm. um to be profitable and that has made it so that oftentimes we live rent free in la which is amazingly hard to do (laughs) but uh if you're willing to share and you have a creative bonus and flexibility uh it is possible it is very possible to create avenues and mediums so that you can cut out the cost of living or cut down at least um at at the minimum okay did that answer your question yeah 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 great that was a great answer and how do you how do you you know come up with 
like a number where you know is it one of those things where you kind of lowball first to see where you're what you can get or do you just shoot for the stars and you know know that the product that you're putting out is is worth it and, and we're talking production not event planning right 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 i'm sorry yeah so let me rephrase for, for, that question for, just for for clarity purposes so when you're when you're listing your space for um you know production companies to come out and and rent how do you find a number that's um meaning like what they'll pay to rent the space how do you find that number yep so it's a mixture of things so i use the various platforms that are out there there's plenty if you're trying to do film or production um and i look at comps kind of just like you do house shopping or cars and say hey i want this and I, I looked at what was similar in size, similar setup, similar furniture, and see what they were charging. Mm. Um, I also looked at those who had a lot of bookings and reviews mm. versus other people who may have had a handful. Gotcha. Um, this shows me kind of tenure and sustainability and what I could get to um, versus some people who may just be on there periodically for a giggle. Right. I, li- I like my first, um, usually the first booking or three. Uh, to be at a lower rate. I want as many eyes uh, and all types of budgets that are visible. They're saving it, they're liking it, they're sharing it to their colleagues or peers uh, to set a baseline. And I'm okay with the first two or three, you know, being a little under budget. And then my goal is to get to and or exceed uh, the other comps that are in, in the same space. Okay. And when I can do that, I feel like that's comparable. Um, they've been, I think I've gone probably as low as like 45, 50 bucks an hour. Mm. Um, and I've charged anywhere from a hundred to $250 an hour, depending on what the scope is. Nice. There are additional questions you can ask, ask, uh, to make sure that you're getting your market rate again. And the training, um, uh, it goes into deep details as to how to do all the price setting. Right. Uh, so I don't want to necessarily share all of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what you can do is simply look at the crew size typically is Got a good you. telltale. You know, if it's four or five people, it's probably a smaller budget. Um, it's not as much wear and tear on the space and price accordingly. If they tell you to bring in 20, 30 people and they need to do a two-day two shoot, most likely it's a major production or production company behind a, a studio. They have budget to do this. Um, and knowing that I've had, I've literally had uh, audio earphones company shoot there. Oh, wow. um, 12 hour shoot. Um, and then when you see the finished product, it may have been 10 to 30 seconds worth of wow. my space actually in it. Um, and it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, the one I saw yesterday for the Fox uh, show, literally there were, it was probably eight total seconds. One was a girl in the bathroom, or excuse me, getting dressed. And I saw our vanity in the mirror facing backwards. It flashed to the guy getting dressed. He was in the actual bathroom and I could see the, uh, I put like a suspended shelf in the um, bathroom to like store like, you know, cologne, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. And then the next one was a tight shot of him standing next to the window. 
And the only reason I recognized the windows because they were very distinct 1931 downtown windows. And looking at it, and it happened to follow the previous two shots. I'm like, oh, snap, that's our spot. That's our, oh, there's two. And literally, it may have been eight to 10 total seconds. That was a whole day shoot. Right. And like, you, you never know how much or how little. And then I also have student films out there. Um, where they'll do a six-hour shoot or four-hour shoot, and you know the entire space is yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, from angles, like, there's nothing. Like, you see your furniture, you see this, you see that, and you never know until the finished product is done. Right. Uh, some of the art and visual directors are amazing as to how they present or create content mm-hmm. that hits the screen. It's very professional in everything you do, man. Very professional in everything. Um, I want to change directions slightly real quick. Uh, so we know um, about the grooving and we know about the entrepreneurial endeavors with JNK Productions. I want to ask you something a little more personal. Sure. Um, and part of like what I'm trying to do with the platform is, you know, just create a space for people to be authentic and, you know, just kind of like voice some of the stuff in their minds and in their heads and, you know, get it out in on the audio format so other people can hear it and, you know, know that, you know, they're not alone or, you know, other people have, you know, similar thoughts yeah. and ideas. And one of those things that I like to talk about is confidence. I think confidence is kind of like our fingerprint. You know, it's all different. None of us have the same confidence. It doesn't look the same for everyone. So for you personally, um, like what's your perspective on confidence? Like, Talk about just a brief moment, or not necessarily a brief moment, but just talk about how you got it during a moment maybe where you didn't have it and how you use it every day um, in your life to accomplish your goals. Yep. Uh, good question. Uh, good question. It's a, it's a tough question. Confidence, I think, is one of those words. Um, if you remember the skit uh, from Bernie Mac uh, where he talked about uh, black folks and how we talk and using the word mf right and it could be interchangeable <laughs> it's like a p- people personal thing you know <laughs> and put it together confidence ironically is similar to that uh to me because it talks about it, it's a matter of trust it's a matter of belief it's a matter of faith uh conviction uh, you know, reliance, depend, dependence, all these things are nuanced and come together and are used interchangeably. Um, I've been broke. <laughs> and that to me is the biggest motivating factor and not freaking being broke again. Mm. Um, and with that, my confidence is that I'm not going back, <laughs> period. So that means you got to work. Uh, you've got to try new things. You've right. got to take risks. You've got to fail. And my confidence comes really and stems from I've failed plenty of times, but I also make sure that I learn every single time at minimum of one thing, usually two or three things that I could have done better, uh, areas of improvement, whether it's rewording, restructuring, some of the proposals I put together, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, seeking out more resor- resources before or asking for help before I venture into it, not getting out there and have somebody have to save me. Right. Um, but the confidence really, I, I think the core of confidence comes when you fail 
mm-hmm. a few times and you know you can get back up again and i tell my partner all the time it's like things work out they always do right. we've just got to keep working on them right. and if we believe that this can happen it'll be fine and i believe in the positive energy um i believe the law of energy and um that influences and impacts my ability to accomplish specific tasks often um many people like oh you can't do that i don't believe that i'm gonna tell you what i want to do and whether i'm gonna try to do it but like there's not if if i think it it can be done there's no can't that's an option um it's just a matter of that's something i want to pursue am i in the right position right now to do it do i need to move two or three pieces before i get there in order to execute and deliver on that task um depending on how big it is um how people get their confidence is to keep going think back to the times where you worked on something you got cracked in the face Mm -hmm. or you stumbled or you failed or you lost your money did you get money back did you stay broke forever? Did you stay on the ground or did you get up? And remember those days, your lowest points, because you can only go up from there. And it's a matter of just keep pushing. Um, people don't get rich um, by just trying one or two things. And then if they don't hit it, then they just stop. Most inventors, creators, uh, developers, visionaries, billionaires, they've tried thousands of freaking times mm-hmm. over and over again. Right. I believe, and I don't have the numbers exactly, but the crux of it was like uh, one of the big tech companies CEO was like, I talked to 3,000 people about my idea. A hundred of them was willing to hear it. 30 of them took the meeting. 20 some of them said no after taking the meeting. There were two people who said yes, and then three that said maybe once other people get in on it. They started rolling, and then next thing you know, they're billionaires because they didn't let the thousand or two thousand no's or ignoring their message, ignoring their platform, diminishing what they were, stop them. They said, I have a vision that's bigger than myself, and I'm going to do it. Uh, I want you to be a part, but if you're not, baby, I'm going to hit it regardless. It may take a little longer, but it's still going to happen. And that's the level of confidence, not even arrogance, but self-assuredness that you are going to, uh, you have certain abilities and capabilities and qualities to execute um, to do that. And I will say on the back end, uh, you also have to be realistic with yourself. Uh, and do real self-actualization and talk about what you're good at and what you're not good at. Um, There's things that, when it comes to math, I'm not good at math. (laughs) You ask me some some fast numbers, I I don't miss numbers, but I I do need to take out a calculator. I may need to (laughs) put it in a spreadsheet and I get the right numbers, but if you're like, hey, uh, you know, if you have 500 people come or actually 250 people come, you charge them 33 bucks. How much is that? And then we subscribe. If you ask me to do that quickly, I'm not your guy. Um, but if you give me a calculator or a spreadsheet, I'll find the numbers. Right. But like, I also know that I'm not going out to be a mathematician or doing anything in physics or anything that requires a skill or proficiency when it comes to math. Right. Um, off the top of your head, at least. 
Um, and those things that you're good at, that you're passionate at, and that you're skilled at are the things that gain confidence. You should focus your energies and efforts on those type of things because it becomes one of those self-fulfilling prophecies. You're already good. Right. And now you start learning and working through your craft and leaning on resources and getting help. Then you start becoming an expert in that space. And when you're an expert at it okay. and you're passionate about it, then who, who can stop you? Right. You both got the skill and the heart. To, to go after, there's really not a whole lot that can diminish or cut down on your confidence. Right. So just a matter of trusting those experiences, allowing those experiences that you trust to mold you into more, to, you know, go through more positive uh, situations. And then you begin to believe in yourself from the experiences that you went through, both good and bad. You learn something, repetition, and then eventually you're looking at being a confident person, right? Absolutely. It's a snowball effect. Yeah. You already you already have the catalyst in you. Then it's about building enough winds. All right, we've got snow on the ground. If I make a fistful of a ball, um, I've got a good snowball that busts on my side of it. But if I start rolling that thing and pushing it through the snow and picking up experiences and letting things compact and compound, mm. now you got a mighty sphere that's rolling downhill mm. that can create a whole lot of momentum and big impact, right. much more than that handful of snow that you threw. Got you. Okay. Makes perfect sense. Well, yo, Jay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast being my guest um learned a lot i mean i know we, we we talk pretty frequently and um you know just as a lot of the stuff you just shared tonight is new information for me um you know it's always good to hear your story uh tell tell the people listening where they can find you at give them the plug for jnk productions and your personal uh brand if you want to share that too i'm sure they'll be able to you know you got a lot of uh, content stuff going on too so if you want to you know let us know about that that's fill us in Okay, all right. I, I've got a ton of stuff. So um, I believe that all good leaders um, read and are well versed. Um, I try to read often, and with that, I don't always have the opportunity to share. So, created our most recent platform. Uh, it's called You Might Need to Hear This. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram as well as Facebook. Uh, for Instagram, is You Might Need to underscore here underscore this. Um, uh, I think you can just type it straight in on Facebook. You might need to hear this. Um, in terms of the event planning and the uh, production stuff, my partner and I are on Instagram, underscore J, underscore K, underscore productions. Uh, you can find us there. We'd be happy to take you on as a client or give you some coaching or insight. We do some uh, consulting too if you don't have the budget to fully hire us to take on a, a full party or event. We can kind of point you in the right direction um, and help out from that standpoint. Um, on Facebook, I believe is JK Locations. I need to check because I have too many pages. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but if you can get the if you can get the one, um, you'll find us. Uh, it is JK Productions actually on Facebook as well. So we try to be fairly consistent on branding for the JK Productions. Um, between there you'll be able to find us any other place um you can also video uh check us out at www.jklocations.com 
com. That too will get you to all of the social media. Um, I think that's a ton of plugging, but um, if you find one, you can find the others. I'll tell you that. If not, um, my personal is um, on Instagram. It's probably the easiest one to get to. It's J Brandon. That's J H A D E B R A N D O N. And then just message me if you can't find the other social. I will get you to the right place. All right, well, y'all got the plug. So if y'all in LA or y'all just want to, you know, throw a good party, attend a good party, y'all know where to go. Jay, thanks again. Hang on um, a little bit after I wrap this up just so we can uh, chop offline. But thank you all for listening to another episode. I will be back again next week with a new guest. Y'all stay blessed. We out of here. Peace. <laughs>